making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canada journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics, as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. Vincenzo Piscopo, welcome to the Tracing Global on Wheels podcast hour. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I understand that you had a herniated disc that popped and hit your spinal cord in 2010, and that's the reason that you are paralyzed today. Um, what was the hardest part about adjusting to life uh, in a wheelchair? What, I think what, for me it was definitely the physical challenges. You know, I was very fortunate and I'm very fortunate to have an amazing support system. You know, my family, my wife, my, uh, my workmates, my, my friends in general, their, their support was overwhelmingly so that I really didn't have a space in my head to be emotionally challenged. But the physical, of course, because, you know, it's, I had to learn how to do a whole bunch of things and how to rely uh, on other people to do things that, uh, you know, in the past I didn't have to. But, uh, but emotionally, you know, I'm very fortunate uh, that I was able to snap out of this quite quickly. And, and again, I think, you know, I owe that to, to a wonderful support system. You know, now that you live life from the angle of being in a wheelchair, how has that changed your relationship with your family? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I think that, um, you know, the only thing that it changes is that I am a little bit more spoiled, so that my family spoils me a little bit more, and, uh, you know, and uh, I, but, you know, everybody, regardless if you have a life-changing event in your life, you know, your life uh, and your, your relationship with your family, with your friends, with your uh, significant others, it evolves. And um, so mine has evolved as, you know, it was going to evolve anyways. And I think what my uh, accident did is that it made it, um, you know, it made me much closer with my uh, wife. Uh, we just realized a different uh, perspective of love, and uh, and we value uh, each other much more than we did before, and you know we have more appreciation for each other, and uh, and we have a better sense of the things that matter, and what are the things that don't really matter. So those things, you know, I think in general could come with maturity. When you're in a relationship, what I think my disability did is accelerated. As you know, with my kids, uh, the only thing that I might find there was a little bit, you know, of a change is that they tend to rely more in their mother than on me because, you know, I normally would have an additional step 
to do things. Like, you know, for instance, if my daughter right now needs me to help her uh, with something outside, you know, I would need to get in my chair and then go outside. Whereas, if, you know, if my mother, my wife is right there, they ask my wife and she would do it right away. So my kids, they would actually go first to the mom because it's more efficient and more effective than it would come to me. And that's something that at the beginning kind of uh, bothered me. But, you know, one of the things that I've learned in this, uh, you know, in this stage of my life is that I don't sweat the small stuff. And at the end of the day, everything is small. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions do you think people have of individuals with disabilities? Um, you know, you have the unique perspective of um, being well into your adulthood before you, you know, had this injury. And I understand that, you know, back when you were on a business trip um, in, I think, Toronto, Canada, yeah, an elderly that. lady and her family mistaking you for a homeless person. And um, and they were surprised when you wheeled into a five-star hotel, which, you know, you shared that on your blog. So has there been other in- instances of misinterpretation, misconcep- misconception? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Like, you know, things like, you know, I would go out uh, on a date with my wife, and then, the, you know, the waiter would ask my wife if I want some water and things like that, which is funny. And, uh, you know, but again, uh, one of the things is that that helps me, you know, and that's my biggest guiding principle is that, you know, when as long as people are not doing it with bad intentions, I'm okay because there is a lot of ignorance and it's not ignorance in the bad sense of the of the word, but it's just lack of knowledge. Right. Because, you know, people don't know. Uh, don't understand all the type of disabilities and they've never been in your shoes to know what you're able to do and what you're not able, right? So I think we, the folks that are in this side of the world, in this side of the, of the equation, the folks that have a disability, we have to understand that, you know, most of the time it's not bad intention, it's just a, uh, a learning opportunity. It's a learning moment where we need to teach them. And that's something that I'm constantly doing in my life. It's something that I constantly do at Coke and, uh, and, I, and I constantly teach my kids and my friends and all that. Because, uh, you know, if I try to think about the Vincenzo before the injury, I can't see myself having the same kind of pre, you know, perception, the, the, the preconceived ideas. And it was not because I was a person that was discriminating uh, you know, on purpose against people with disability. It was just that I had not the knowledge of what it means. You know, to give you a very simple example, you know, uh, obviously, like, you know, when you see a person uh, on a wheelchair, uh, it would say that 70% of the people don't doubt of your mental uh, capabilities, you know, your cognitive uh, abilities. Uh, And 30% of the people might think, oh my God, his brain might not be working. But if you think about a person with cerebral palsy, when you see a person with cerebral palsy, you know, people immediately think that 
you know, the, 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 their cognitive uh, abilities are limited. And, uh, and after I got my disability, I was able to learn to meet the smartest people in life with cerebral palsy. And, you know, people that are extremely smart, people that I just wish I had like 10% of the smart. So before my injury, I would have immediately seen a kid with, you know, with cerebral palsy and I would have said him, oh my God, do you need any help? You know, do you want me to read the, the menu for you or help you understand that? But it was not because I was a bad person. It was a, because of ignorance. So what I'm trying to say there is that we have also, uh, as people with disability, a responsibility of teaching that because it doesn't come in your life manual. So let's talk about the Wheel of Happiness, the nonprofit that you uh, founded. So the Wheel of Happiness Foundation. Um, let's kick that off by asking, just telling us a little bit more about the Wheel of Happiness um, and who it serves, what inspired it? You know, the, the inspiration of the, uh, you know, after my realization that I have no, uh, I don't have a right to complain, I have the obligation to pay back because I was getting so much. And while I was going through my journey of rehabilitating, I met this uh, priest from Uganda. While I was transferred from my house to the hospital in an ambulance, he was being, you know, he had a motorcycle accident and was picked up by a pickup truck, thrown in the back of the truck, took to head to the hospital where he did a basic surgery and they sent him home for a whole year with no rehab. In my case, you know, I went to ambulance, then from one hospital to the other in helicopter. And then I was taken to the, one of the most amazing rehabilitation centers in the world. So this priest, uh, you know, with the help of many people, that priest was able to come. So we were able to bring the priest to Atlanta to go to Shepherd. And just with a month and a half at Shepherd, he was able to get back to shape and learn how to live. And then he went back to Uganda and he served in his community. So my realization there was that a lot of people with a disability on, in underprivileged areas of the world, they need a little to be value-added members of, the, of their communities. And that's where the idea of wills of happiness came. You know, I have the responsibility, the obligation of helping people, you know, first of all, live life with dignity, which is the basic human right that, that everybody has but also to help them add value to society because by doing that, you know, not only they win, but society wins. And when society wins, they, you know, a lot of the stigmas around, you know, people with disabilities get, uh, you, know, get you know, get disappear. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Global on Wheels, please visit trapesandglobalonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. 
And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, both with handles Trapes and Global on Wheels, and then also LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. We sincerely appreciate your support, and we'll catch you again next time.